Hello everyone and welcome to the Bucket List Board Gamers, the podcast where board gamers come together to talk about board games in a novel twist from all other board game podcasts. My name is Nick Pickles and with me are the noble knight Kay Brown. Good morning. The highway robber Drew Leonard. Hello. And layabout farmer Matt Wilson. <laughs> That's me. Hello. Good morning everyone. How is everyone today? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, not, yeah not pretty good. Earlier than I generally care for on a Sunday, but what can we do? Well, yeah. But is it ever too early to talk about board games, quite frankly? As my voice suddenly decides it doesn't want to work anymore, so I'm going to have some tea. Refreshing and British. All right. It is rather fitting that our first episode here is going to be talking about a board game that most people will cite as one of their first in the modern hobby. This is where my German is going to show as being terrible. Designed by Klaus Jürgen Reed and published by, quite frankly, anyone who can get their hands on it, we find ourselves in a small part of southern France, drawing and adding tiles to an ever-expanding board. You have to make sure that you match tiles city to city, road to road, or field to field, and players may optionally place one of their followers into an off-bike feature. This is Carcassonne, quite frankly, one of the early games that will feature in quite a lot of people's different collections, and the Spiel des Jahres winner for 2001. Folks, how do we feel about Carcassonne? It's great. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Podcast it. over. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick one. Um, for me, it's for the, the moment I played Carcassonne. It's one of the the first games that I played in the new the new world of board gaming, and it's to say it's shaped the rest of my board gaming adventure and life adventure is probably the best way to put it. Because Meeple's that was my first introduction, and since mm-hmm. then they have been pretty much part of my everyday life for almost ten years. Yeah, it's it's funny <laughs> you mentioned meeples because although they feature in Carcassonne as being the key things and they're cited often as being one of the first games that had them, that's not what they're referred to as no. in the original rulebook. Are they not? No, they're in the original rulebook they're known as followers. Oh. It seems that the portmanteau of meeples came in a lot later. Which is interesting. You can tell that I've looked at a lot of different articles about <laughs> Carcassonne for this, because that is an obscure fact. <laughs> uh, what about you, Drew? What do you think of Carcassonne? Yeah, it's good and I like it. It's it's one of those games that kind of it exists in the same slot in my brain as Catan, in that like mm. uh, like you said, like it's a lot of people's introduction to board gaming. But because I kind of I felt like I never really had that introduction because like as a child I was fairly board gamey anyway, and then like I kind of got back into board games when I was at uni and had no money. So like I was aware of Carcassonne, but like I don't own it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is good. Oh, I like it. It's, uh, it's one I'd like to play more, given the opportunity. I almost bought it the other day, actually, but uh, then I knew I wasn't going to have a chance to play it before this. Uh, and I was buying games for my birthday, actually, was what I was saying. So I prioritised things that I would get a chance to play. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to divert here for a second. What did you prioritise over Carcassonne as I lean into the camera <laughs> in a podcast? Uh, so I bought one of the expansions for um, Cult Express. And oh, nice. the uh, Shifting Seasons expansion for Villages. Very nice. Cool. Uh, and Matthew, I, I suspect we know the answer to this question, but how do you <laughs> feel about Carcassonne? Yeah, so I I actually came to Carcassonne quite late in my board game plan. I moved in with some friends who were very heavily into board games and I guess had kind of moved past it themselves already. So when we sat down to play stuff, it'd be like, we're playing Feast for Odin. I was like, well, okay. Kind of in at the deep end kind of situation. <laughs> um, by. Yeah, well, when I saw it on the shelf, like it was always on everybody's shelves, but never the game that got picked. So when I eventually played it, I realized 
man, I should have been pushing for this to come off the shelf more because, yeah, I, I love that game. I have always had a bit of an obsession with maps and anything that lets me kind of make the the map itself. I, mm. I, I will always enjoy it. Normally to the detriment of me winning the game, I would m rather make it look nice <laughs> than get points most of the time. It's a it's an interesting one. You can you can definitely play it as competitively or as passively as you want. I think I think that's something that a lot of people do struggle with when you're first getting into it is that you can play aggressively if you want to. And I certainly tend to play aggressively when I'm playing with certain people in my game group because it's funny um, <laughs> to watch them just go. I've worked really hard on that city, and I just go just just going to pop that meeple in there and just join in. Just in the corner. It's nice. It's always, always fun. But it's interesting to to have those different playstyles because, as you say, you can play very calmly. You could just make the patterns, make everything, make the map look pretty, um, as pretty as the actual city of Carcassonne, which is quite lovely. Yeah, there's a lot on there. So, I mean, we talked about this a little bit already. I mean, I use Carcassonne to introduce the board gaming hobby to a lot of non-gamers. Do you guys think that Carcassonne is one of the perfect games for that? Yeah, I, I'd say so. I think there's there's a simplicity to it. Um, I think sometimes with new games or new people to board games, if you have a big board with loads of stuff on it and it's really busy, that can be quite overwhelming for people. I think the fact you start Carcassonne with pretty much an empty table can be quite mm -hmm. inviting and a lot easier on the eyes for, for people to start stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's as you say, going, going from... A single tile. It's definitely something that people won't have seen before. Hmm. Starting from a singular small tile as opposed to a big board like Monopoly, for example. Yeah, I think it's one of those underrated games that, from a visual perspective, if you put it on the table, everybody, especially if you've got one of the earlier editions, automatically looks hmm. at it and goes, oh, what's what's this that you've put on the table? Because it does look very aged if you look at it from an outside perspective. Hmm. But as soon as you start to play it, it's one that you can take off the shelf, you can teach anybody in any journey of their board gaming career board gaming adventure whether they're at the beginning or all the way through and that it's quick to the table it's easy to learn it's fun and then the more you get into it you can buy the expansions and for those that want that bit more of a longer gameplay or a bit more of a crunchier feel to it you can still level it now it's never going to be at the levels of a feast for odin or uh, on mars or others boa but it mm -hmm. is it, it you can level it to the level of gameplay that you want to play. And I just think it's overall, it's just fun. And it's there's no, yes, you've got the farmers that make it that a little bit more tactful and aggressive and are my personal pet peeves about the game because I always lose out on the farmers. But mm. I just think it's just a wonderful game that just keeps on giving. And every time I play it, even when I lose, I enjoy playing it. And to me, that's the sign of a great game. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree with that. Drew, what do you think? Yeah, I think, again, so with the caveat that I've not played it in a long time. Yeah, I think it, it's a good one of those games where it's quite simple, but there's a, you know enough strategic depth to kind of keep your interest. Like if you're into board games already, so like you as a, a gamer person can can bring it to the table. But also it's simple enough that you can play it with someone who's not familiar with those more complex board games. And like mm. you know with the the tile drawing aspect, like there's enough randomness there. I think that it kind of it smooths out the playing field a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, and I think it's quite well balanced. And you know, it's not like snakes and ladders, but it's also, yeah, again, it's not feast for Odin. Like you don't have to really, absolutely know what you're doing to have any chance of winning at all. So you can come to mm -hmm. it as someone who's not a board gamer and and grasp it fairly well and win partly through that and partly through chance and have a good time. Mm -hmm. 
mean, it's it's got a it's got a staying power, I think, because it's it's twenty three years old now. It was released in two thousand, and I think it did help signal the sort of the turn turning point, particularly at the turn of the millennium, of having more you know board games changing. I think it definitely led to an evolution of board gaming in the last few years, in the same way that Catan and Ticket to Ride and things like that did. Um, sort of Euro games started to emerge. But Carcassonne is still ranked 205 on BoardGameGeek. It's still very highly regarded by even the people. And let's be honest, the rankings on BoardGameGeek are a nightmare to navigate because <laughs> it does skew very heavy. But the fact that Carcassonne is still that high I think it had, a lot of people have a lot of luck for it, and it's just great. <laughs> okay. It sounds like I'm getting emotional. I'm not. I don't know why my <laughs> voice has suddenly decided to go. Ugh. It'd be interesting to see how many copies have sold now, because the copy, the version that I played, I played it yesterday, and on the, it was the old version of the box, and it had 12 million mm. copies sold. And I know for a fact that that, that particular version has been in uh, my father-in-law's collection for eight or nine years. So just from that point onwards, how many must they have sold by now if that was so long ago? Oh, thousands. And, I mean, it's not just the original game. I mean, I, I said in my description of the game that it's ever-expanding, and that is completely apt, because there are hundreds of expansions and varieties that have come out in the last 23 years. In fact, on BoardGameGeek, there are 17 re-implementations of Carcassonne listed on there. Wow. Out of interest, does anyone know any of them? This isn't a quiz show, but I, I do have a nerd <laughs> alert klaxon in case you do get them all right, because if you get all 17, then you deserve a nerd alert. What, is this the expansions or the reskins? Is it the... No, this is the re-implementation specifically. Okay. I mean, you've got a big advantage if it was coming on to expansions, because you've got the big box oh, sat directly just, behind you. Just let me turn around behind. Um, <laughs> so I know the, reason... the big box is not one of them, by it, the way. Um... It's... No, I was saying the big box is not one of the re-implementations. I know they've recently done the ghost one, haven't they? Is that class of implementation? It isn't, but I think it should be. Yeah. Uh, that is Castles uh, Miss Over Carcassonne, which is the cooperative stat is a cooperative standalone, but also expansion. Oh, okay. Um, I'm yet to play that one. I haven't played the, the Miss Over Carcassonne yet. No, not yet. No, that's the most recent one, right? Mm -hmm. That was yeah. released end of last year, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had it at Essen last year. They were demonstrating it, and you could go and um, play it, but you couldn't purchase it. Yeah. I'm. I want to. I want to play it because it looks. It looks interesting, and the fact. I think the fact that you can then just add it in with base Carcassonne as well. That's actually elevated it a little bit for me. So that'd be something to uh, have a look at next time I go to the train. And that's the uh, train whistle for the end of the show. <laughs> so my, my partner's just gone out for a run, and that's my uh, ring doorbell. So I'll just turn it off. <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry, uh, we haven't talked about Ticket to Ride enough. Let's, let's read <laughs> it. He's sat in the back going, pick me, pick me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we're not editing that out. That's right. going to stay in. Is, um, is one of these... There's a prehistoric one, right? Am I on the right? There is a prehistoric one. Uh, there yeah. are two different... Pre there are two slightly similar themed ones. There is Hunters and Gatherers, released mm -hmm. in 2002, um, which I think deals with the farmers in a more... In a, different way it turns the farmers into hunters and there's different animal types that are prehistoric animals like a seventy tiger antelope because antelopes are very prehistoric uh, mammoths and that sort of things that are running around um, and if you connect to the fields you, you score based on those as opposed to your connected cities so it's a it's a different way of scoring i think it's a 
a neater way of doing it, frankly. It's a nice one, though. Hunters and Gatherers is a good addition. My First Carcassonne? Is it on there? My First Carcassonne? Absolutely, yeah. The child version uh, for basically introducing your little ones to my to Carcassonne. 2009, that was released. Look at this. There's actually... It looks like there's been one release almost every year for about, <laughs> for about 10 years or so. So... I thought I'd have a look at my big box to see if there's anything in there. And I've just realised I actually have a German version of the big box. <laughs> so I have absolutely no idea what's on there. Like, apart from the images, so I can guess. But they, um, I can remember when I, with my big box, I really enjoyed Carcassonne. And at the time, it was difficult to get hold of. And my um, mm. partner and father-in-law found a German version on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And they paid for it to to come over from Amazon International and then printed out the rules for me in English just so I owned a version of the big box. Nice. But it's definitely not a cheating one because I can't speak German either, so I um, <laughs> can't work out. There's, there's a Wheels of Fortune on there. Okay. Um, that is not one of the re-implementations, no. but they, that may be one of the expansions. Yeah, I think so. It's hard to know which ones are the expansions and which aren't, so I'll just stop trying to read German and get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> any other guesses of any of the other re-implementations? No, <laughs> the the prehistoric one was the only one I knew. I am all out of guesses. Wasn't there a princesses, princesses and dragons? Or was that is that? That is the third expansion oh, okay. that is available: the Princess of the Dragon, which introduces a princess, a dragon, and a fairy for some oh, okay. reason. Um, that can be the dragon maneuvers around the board and eats up meeples and returns them back to the supply. Which means if you get yourself stuck in a particularly lucrative city, your opponents can jump the dragon into that and remove your meeple from the board, giving you a chance to jump in. Or if you find yourself stuck in a field battle um, and you can't get your meeples back, you can just get the dragon to wander over there. Uh, The princess protects you from the... No, sorry, the fairy protects you from the dragon. And the princess tiles allow you to evict other other meeples from a city, as opposed to uh, placing one of your own. Instead of putting one in, you can take someone else's out. Okay. Yeah, I... I accidentally played that version this morning. I thought I'd jump on Board Game Arena just to play a regular game. Mm. Didn't realize I jumped into that expansion and <laughs> got really grumpy because that dragon is a real jerk. <laughs> the dragon does suck sometimes. It depends. On, it kind of depends on how you play it, though. And that dragon can be a pain to deal with, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wasn't expecting. I was just expecting a nice chilled out game, a regular old Carcassonne, not a dragon stomping around the place. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, so there's there is a whole host of these different things. I'm going to run through them very quickly. There is the Ark of the Covenant, a Carcassonne game, which I do not know anything about in particular. There's a Carcassonne demo from 2012, which I think is the first re- the Z-Man reprint. Um, saw the exposition of that when they reprinted it in 2012. Uh, Carcassonne for two is the two-player version that's German only, seemingly. Uh, Amazonias, based in the Amazon rainforest. Gold Rush, uh, Hunters and Gathers, we talked about. Overhill and Dale. Safari, South Seas. Star Wars, because of course Star Wars. Oh, hey, do you know what? Yeah. I have played that version too, and it's actually fantastic. It's a really good version of Carcassonne. It's quite a fun adaptation of it. I would recommend it playing if you ever get a chance to. That's interesting. I that might I might have to break my ban on Star Wars things to give that a go because I do not like Star Wars. It's just <laughs> heretic. <laughs> well, you know what? It's it never appealed. That's so fair. I never particularly that fussed about it. But anyway. Um, 
There's also Carcassonne the Castle, which I think is a two-player only version. It's Carcassonne the City, Carcassonne the Discovery. There's a Winter Edition from 2012 as well. My first Carcassonne, New World, a Carcassonne game, and Travel Carcassonne, because apparently we needed a travel version of Carcassonne. <laughs> I can only assume that all the tiles are... Yeah, I'm looking at Board Game Geek now. All the tiles are about 20% smaller. That's the only difference. I'm not entirely certain how that would work on like a train table, but you know, sure, why not? Give it a go. So I guess we could probably talk a little bit about the expansions and the big boxes that you can you can get into Carcassonne because there is a lot that we can delve into. I mean, the most recent version of the big box I think has nine of the the expansions one through nine and the priests. Oh, sorry, the Abbott and uh, River expansions mm-hmm. in it, I think. Uh, does anyone have any particular favourites of the expansions? For me, it's probably the sheep expansion, but that's only because I live on a farm. So it's, <laughs> I just found it quite charming. It's very simple. It's just, you know, your, your tiles have sheep on. It's an extra little bit of fun. We play it with the kids, so it just adds a little bit more complexity without it being too overwhelming. And you just got the more sheep that you have in an area just means that you gain that. Um, it just like, gains that extra little bit of dom- dominance over the area to win. And I just think it's just really mm. charming. Just a really nice little expansion for it. There's there's the one with the builder, right? That's one of the expansions? That is, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I like that it, <laughs> <laughs> I like that it gives you the, the extra chance to just keep adding to your city as long as you draw the right piece. Um, mm-hmm. Just, yeah, I like building the cities and anything that lets me kind of keep extending that is uh is good nice drew have you played any of the expansions as the the relative newcomer for carcassonne in comparison to the rest of us that seemingly have played it at least in the last 24 hours <laughs> yeah yeah i've done a poor job of my research for this podcast and uh yeah no sadly I, I don't think i have played any of the expansions actually maybe maybe one once but i can't remember which one i just have a vague thing in my head yeah, like the, the dragon's ring bell <laughs> i think for me the the expansion I use the most is the river. Mm-hmm. If only because I think it's a great way to introduce people to the game because it just it's, it's much easier to say, okay, we're following the river. We just need to make sure the river connects because you can't send it off into a different dimension and have a separate river going from source to lake. And it just gets that setup going a lot easier, I think, because you just go, all right, just follow this river, see where it goes. And then we can scrap it or keep playing with it later if we want to. Uh, yeah, to I. Yeah, I didn't realize for a long time. I thought the river was just part of the base game. Um, mm. I think the yeah the first handful of times I played it was always with the river, and yeah, it totally makes sense to start that way. I think it. I think it's packed in that expansion with, with it. Yeah, it's time it's in the, it's in the base game for the new versions i think actually i'm not sure whether the 2000 and the most recent reprint of it whether that keeps it in but it certainly does in the 2012 reprint that i have i think it's i think it's one of the most common expansions that most people if i had played an expansion will have played would be the river expansion Mm. yeah that might be the one i've played with actually if i have (laughs) so we talked about it as being one of the the intro games that we do do you guys have any other i'm going off topic from carcassonne a little bit but let's talk about other games that we'd liken it to in terms of its weight and intro level where would you guys 
if you were starting a board game collection for a new player and you were sort of guiding them from Carcassonne, where would you then steer them to? What what three games would you have that you would say, you started with Carcassonne, you liked Carcassonne, where will we go next? For me, I think it's Catan. I think mm-hmm. I sometimes question whether it's... it's There's so many... Having played games over a decade now, I sometimes question whether it's a little bit... There's a lot better games out there. Um, I certainly think that when I, I bring to the table, when I bring Catan to the table, I feel more nostalgic playing it. However, when I do play it, I feel like I want Citizen Knights in there or Seafair or something to make it a little bit heavier. And But it's just an enjoyable, easy-to-get-to-the-table game. And also, t- mm. Ticket to Ride. I think it just... It hits all the spots. It's a family fun game. It's visually pleasing, and there's different versions of it out there. So we've um, played these smaller versions, like London and New York, which can be quick, mm-hmm. twenty minutes, get to the table and play. And play the chunky versions and the Europe's and Japan and India, and it's just one of those games that just for me, I keep returning to it, and every time I enjoy playing it and every time I feel I can get a different experience, even though overall it's probably a very similar experience, which is quite a nice, nice feeling. Mm. Yeah, nice. Drew, where would you go after Carcassonne? Yeah, I mean, I think Catan and Tickets Ride are both great choices, actually. I think I, I probably would have said them, but now that Kay said them, I'll, I'll think Sorry. outside the box a little more. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I suppose to kind of step a bit more outside those ones, I guess, that are kind of have kind of become a bit more mainstream. If you want to get more into the more hobbyist ones, I guess perhaps something like um, Cult Express that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. because again, like it's not a very complicated game to play or to learn. It goes by quite quickly, and you know it's got like a big sort of feature in the middle in the the big three D train. So that I think would probably be appealing to some new gamers at least. In that, like it's not just oh, okay, here's a board we're just playing ball game like there's something to kind of focus the attention a bit more um and because like it it plays a bit different right it's not just like oh this is like monopoly or whatever but you know i think a lot of new gamers have some skepticism coming to hobby games and because their own experiences things like monopoly as well or those kind of games yeah so like if you can show them something a bit different i think that can help kind of open their eyes to to the things that board gaming can do um, nice. Got the mouth one a minute ago, but I've forgotten it, so carry on. <laughs> if it comes back to you, jump back in. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Um, I was thinking about something a little bit more modern. Has anybody played a game called King Domino? Oh, fantastic yes. game. Fantastic yeah. game. Yeah. I feel right like game, yeah. you could transition between those two games pretty well because you're still kind of placing things down and, and making a map. As I said, I quite like making maps, so I'm always going to lean more <laughs> towards something like that. But yeah, I think that that would be my choice. Very nice. I think for me, I would probably... Carcassonne is is definitely up there as one of the competitive games that you want to introduce to. But I think a lot of the hobby now has got room for cooperative games. So I think I would go for oh I've got I've oh. got a I've got a sour lemon face from oh. Kay and uh, <laughs> nodding from that which is fine people are allowed to like what they like um, I think there would be a couple of there's a couple of options you go for if you're going down the co-op I'm just going to watch to see if Kay does a spit take sorry I'll um, take a drink that's why you say it <laughs> wash it just wash it the taste out of your mouth if you're going to go co-op uh, then I would look at something like Mysterium. Because you've got a good player count, one to seven, or sorry, two to seven. 
it's a it's a re-implementation of a game that most people will have played at some point, but you have that cooperative discussion. So you've got that re-implementation of Cluedo that people have the option, they will know about it to some degree, but it's a, a whole new experience is looking at the artwork and trying to puzzle together what people are trying to do. Um, if you want to go competitive and you want to stick with the map theme, Cartographers, I think, is an absolute top tier way of doing that because you've got the lovely little maps and you can just cut, spend a little afternoon coloring in, flipping things over, seeing how they go. Cascadia, also something that yeah. would yeah, that's would a great fall into I, that category. I played that for the first time recently. And that game, that game's really cool. Oh, I love it. I'm looking forward yeah. to the expansion that's due out soon, isn't it? Yeah, the um, landmarks. That's mm-hmm. going to be that's going to be pretty sweet. I think what else I would go for. I I just thought of another one looking at my shelf actually. Um have you guys ever played Subterra? I haven't. I haven't. So that's a co-op kind of tile laying game in which you're all cave explorers trying to escape a cave. Mm-hmm. Um and there's monsters and all kinds of other cave dangers down there. Um and you basically start kind of like you do with Carcassonne with a single tile you're all on, and then you're just kind of building this network of caves as you as you try and yeah. escape. It's it's really cool. I think it was out of print for a while, so I I spent about maybe six, seven months trying to find a copy, um, and then when I finally got it, we've, we've played it loads, and yeah, I'd recommend it. I, th- I think it's going to be reprinted at some point. It's, yeah. They really just released the second version, haven't they, Subterra 2? Yes, year. yeah. Although I think something went wrong with that publisher, I think. Yeah, they'd... it was the the publisher couldn't fulfil the Kickstarters and subsequently went into administration, I believe, and then was repurchased by somebody else, which fulfilled the retail pledges, and then, as then in the pro, oh, I think they have done that. They've failed all the Kickstarter ones, but it caused a little bit of a little bit of nervousness, I think, for anybody that backed it, but also the original pledges advised that the Kickstarters would be receiving it first, but with the takeover, it hit retail before the Kickstarter pledges received their versions. So I think everybody's all sorted now, but I think it was quite a lot of nervousness at the time. So we've not heard much about it since then, which is unfortunate. So hopefully we'll start to see some more reviews and things in the coming weeks and months. Mm. I guess if you're if you're interested in that sort of thing, probably um, Clank Catacombs. Is going to be something along that similar sort of vein of that tile placement and exploration, uh, just with that deck build up uh, element in there as well. Yeah, I yeah, I'm quite excited about that one because Clank is is a fantastic game. Clank's so, great. Clank's yeah. a great game. Yeah. So the other one I thought of was um, Calico. Which, oh, Calico! I love again, Calico. I think it's like quite a straightforward game to to learn and to play, but like it. Looks lovely and it's it's an interesting. It's mean thing. though, isn't oh, it? It's, Calico's mean. It's, fa- it's it fantastic, but it does. And the one thing I would say is, having played it with beginner gamers, I can I have watched their minds melt um, <laughs> in front of it, and, and but also felt that same. Like it's simplistic in its nature, but trying to get the combinations and mm. the patterns, and I've had those moments where I've just it gives me enjoyment, for, enjoyment and frustration at the same level. If I want to do this, oh, I can't yeah. complete it. So I do mm. love it. I think it's great if you've got somebody that loves that puzzling nature of games and they can dive straight in. But I think depending mm. on, especially the cats that you, you pick at the beginning, it can cause that little bit of oh my goodness, what what can I do? Like you've only got a couple of choices, but you can still be quite quite a lot to take in sometimes yeah that's fair i i played it with my nephews 
and they they took to it fairly well. But yeah, maybe they're just a bit more puzzly than a lot of people. <laughs> All right, then. I think that's probably going to bring us towards the end of today's game. And all that remains is for us to have a look at the scores and record them into board game stats, because that's what board gamers do. How would you all score Carcassonne out of 10? You can go into decimals if you would like. Uh, Kay, let's... For me, I put it 7.5. So mm-hmm. in our collection, we say seven's a keeper. Anything below that is a... It has to leave. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, we're quite brutal. <laughs> we've not, we, we haven't got a lot of space for a lot of board games, so if it falls below the seven, um, but I'm, we're quite... But what about the space in your heart for the board games? Oh, well, have, I haven't got... I, I can't... This, if you saw my house, you'd, you'd appreciate that we have to be quite ruthless because they... they there's board games in every cupboard, every wardrobe, you name it. There's board games everywhere, so we have to be ruthless. But yeah, 7.5, to me, it's a game that will always stay in the collection. I'll never part with it. I'll always bring it to the table. I think there are better games out there once you get into the hobby, mm. um, and they're games that give you more if, um, give you more for longer, but I just think it's just that, that great game that will always stay in my collection for that 7.5. Very nice. Matt? I'd say it's a solid 8, I think. It's got a lot of replayability to it, and I think that's the reason I like it and the reason I keep coming back to it so much. So, yeah, eight for me. And Drew? Yeah, I think uh, I'd give it a a provisional seven. Like I think it's good and I like it, Um, and I'll always happily play it if it's there. But again, I've I've yet to actively seek it out to put it into my collection. Um, So, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I did almost buy it, but then that was definitely influenced by the fact that I knew I was going to be talking about it, and I still didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, I give Carcassonne an 8 as well. I think it's a solid game. It's great to, to just crack out when I don't have to think too much. It's a relatively easy one to get people to play on Board Game Arena if I ever want to. Uh, there's a lot of different implementations, as you say, there's a lot of replayability and variation. There's all the expansions you can throw in. I'm actively contemplating whether I go for the big box for Carcassonne, but then it's a case of, oh, what do I do with the Carcassonne I already have? Or am I better off just getting expansions and trying to stuff them into the single box? Who knows? I'll figure you that could, out. You point. could give it to Drew. <laughs> Two problems solved at once. Yeah. And then I have this big box that I don't know where to put. Oh, um, yeah, I think Carcassonne's a very solid game. So that gives us an average of 7.6, I think, uh, somewhere around that for uh, each of us, which is pretty decent. It's a good place for us to start in our little bucket list of games. So all that's left to do is to put the lid back onto the box and say thank you to our panel for them to say where you can find them. Kate, where can we find you? So in I, general. in general, I, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, and I have a company called Geeky Meeples 3D Printing. So we do um, board gaming bling for board games and accessories. Um, and if you are at UKG this year, you'll also see me in Hall 2 on Store 337. I will be there. I will be finding <laughs> you because I like your stuff. Uh, Drew, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrewLeonard42. Uh, I very rarely tweet, so good luck to you if you do find me there. But uh, <laughs> if you want to do that, you can. Right. Uh, Matt? Uh, you can find me in my house. That's where I live. Um, address is. <laughs> <laughs> so we docked um, And probably on this podcast again. There you go. 
And I have been Luke Pickles, I am the Game Master for Eat, Crit and Survive, where some friends and I gather around to play board games, D&D, and generally we just talk about board games and RPG stuff. Until the next time, thank you very much everyone for listening to the Bucket List Board Gamers. Take care of yourselves and play Shemeeple's well. Bye everyone! Bye! Bye! Bye.